Let us pray. O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I shall die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. These are beautiful words of commitment, so lovely that they're often used at weddings. But it's easy to forget how extraordinary these words were in the context in which they were spoken. And the first extraordinary thing to remind ourselves of is that these words were not spoken from a wife to a husband or a husband to a wife, a lover to a beloved, but instead, from a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law. Not usually the kind of relationship where we expect this kind of passionate commitment. It's almost proverbial, in fact, that we don't. But second, these words were spoken out of a situation of profound and almost unimaginable hardship. Naomi, to whom these words were spoken, has lived for 10 years in the land of Moab, a country and a people despised by the people of Israel. She went there with her husband and her sons because of a famine in Israel. But then her husband died, and her sons married Moabite wives, strictly forbidden under Israelite law. But then the sons died, and then finally Naomi starts to go back to Israel because she hears that there's food there, that God has provided food there in the midst of this famine. Her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, decide to go with her. But then on the road, she tries to dissuade them from continuing with her back to Judah. But instead, she says, go back to your own families, to your own homes, to your own gods in Moab. And she tells them in no uncertain terms that she has nothing to offer them. No sons to be their security in, and protection in a world where a woman's identity and safety was linked to the men that she was connected with. Now Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, sees the wisdom of this advice and goes back to Moab. But Ruth, the other one, clings to Naomi. And then she says those famous words of utter and complete commitment to her. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. It's unfathomable. It's unreasonable. It's reckless what Ruth does. She has nothing to gain from going with Naomi. She's going to a place where she will be a despised outsider. And throughout the rest of the book, she keeps being called the Moabite, the other. There's no promise of financial security, no probability that an Israelite man will marry this foreign woman. 
Naomi tells Ruth, I have no status, no money, and no prospects. And yet Ruth's commitment to her is complete. I will go where you go. I will lodge where you lodge. Your people will become my own. Your gods will become my own. And that was huge because to leave behind your own gods, to take on the god of another ethnic group was unheard of in those times. And the commitment is everlasting. I will be buried where you are buried. Being buried in one's own homeland was crucial in those times. That's why Jacob and Joseph were brought back to Canaan to be buried. But Ruth gives up even that. She throws her lot completely in with Naomi and holds nothing back. She takes on an astonishing risk, accepting a vulnerability that is hard to comprehend. There, at that crossroads, she makes a commitment that changes her life and her very identity forever. It's like the commitment that Manche Masamola makes, a commitment to the Christian faith in her case that cost her very life. Come to evening prayer if you want to hear more of her story. Now there can be only one reason for Ruth's choice, and that is love. She must love Naomi deeply to make this vow to her. And it's a particular kind of love that she has. In the text, the word used is chesed. As when Naomi says, may God show chesed to you as you have shown chesed to me. Chesed in Hebrew scripture refers to steadfast love, loyalty, commitment, faithfulness, above and beyond the call of duty. It's love that is not a feeling, but an action. It's love that secures a person's survival and basic well-being. It's love that emerges from and expresses a covenant commitment. And almost every time in scripture the word is used, it's used of God. God's covenant with Israel is marked by this chesed, with this loyal, steadfast love. It's very rare in scripture that humans are described as showing chesed. And even more rare that human actions are held up as a model for what God's chesed could be. May God show chesed to you as you have shown chesed to me, says Naomi. But those words remind us that what Ruth's actions show is the nature of God's chesed. That God's chesed, that God's love for us is so unfathomable in that way, is so reckless in that way, that God throws God's lot in with us in the midst of our poverty and our famine and our loss and our trauma and our grief, that God vows to be with us when we are at our most destitute and hopeless, and God makes God's self vulnerable in making this commitment, and God promises to be with us even in death and beyond. That God's chesed is a commitment that is total and everlasting. And Ruth's commitment to Naomi reminds us of this divine chesed. But it also reminds us and calls us to our commitments to each other, which is why we use these words at weddings. And we need to be reminded that this commitment is not only to spouses, but to parents and to children and to mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws and father-in-laws and friends and pets and all the people and beings that make up our life together. 
and it reminds us on this day of our covenant with each other in this community. Because by being part of this community, we have made a commitment to each other. And there are various covenants that undergird our life together. There's the seminary covenant, where we vow to make this a place that is truly welcoming of difference and to examine and repent of the racism and sexism and classism and heterosexism that can corrupt this community. This fall, the incoming class made a covenant with each other, promising to treat each other with generosity and honesty, even in difficult times. In recent years, the faculty has been working on a set of core values that include integrity and authenticity and truth-telling, and students have been working on a rule of life that calls the student body to openness and honesty with each other. And underlying all those promises is the baptismal covenant, the basis of any Christian community in which we promise to remain in fellowship with each other, to seek and serve Christ in each other, to strive for justice and peace, and to respect the dignity of every human being. By these promises, we echo Ruth's commitment to Naomi. We make a covenant of steadfast love toward those who are different from us, those who might not seem deserving of our loyalty, those we would not necessarily have chosen, because that's the secret of Christian community. It's people we might not have chosen, we might not even like, but we make a commitment to these people. And we make a commitment to the risk and the vulnerability of those relationships, to hang in with each other in courage and compassion, even in difficult times. We make a commitment to be together in ways that challenge our self-interest and change our very identity. Now it's true, we did not make a commitment to all be buried in the same place. But I will say this, that the friendships we make here will be among the most deep and lasting and sustaining we will ever make. Friends to last a lifetime, the most precious gift of this life and community. Friendships and relationships that will shape and form and transform us more and more into the image of Christ if we let them. Today we stand at the crossroads of a new semester. And like Ruth and Naomi, we stand here in the midst of hard and challenging times. But this is precisely the time when we need the courage of Ruth to take the risk of reaffirming our commitment to each other and to life and community, to reaffirm those promises, explicit and implicit, we've made to each other. And we do so knowing, knowing two things. One, that this covenant and all the covenants we make are based on God's chesed and God's covenant love with us that sustains us through any hardship and makes it possible for us to make commitments to each other even in the face of famine and poverty and destitution because we know that God is with us and will carry us through all of that. And that's the second thing we know, that we know how the story of Ruth ends and all the stories based in God's chesed. Because at the end of the story of Ruth, there is new life out of death, 
There's abundance out of poverty. There's acceptance of Ruth into this new community. There's a life of fullness and joy that neither Ruth nor Naomi could have imagined when they stood on that desolate road, seemingly at the end of all their hopes. That's what's on the other side of the promises we make to each other here in community on this day at this crossroads. May God give us the grace to do this and the eyes to see with gratitude the gift that we are to each other.